this second Sunday after Easter, we'll be continuing our series, uh, our Eastertide series, This Same Power. And today we're going to look at the power to mature. You see, maturity is an interesting thing. Uh, it doesn't always look exactly like the previous generation. You know, the, the rite of passage, the little boy gets his hat. But is he going to wear his hat down like his dad? Or is he going to wear it up like his granddad? Or is he going to wear it backwards well, like himself? He's going to uh, kind of go into the family business. Uh, but is he going to use the regular, you know, broom or like the push broom like his dad? Or does he end up with a rake? See, uh, this Christian life, spirituality is much the same way. Um, we come into it, but we need to grow up. But what would that growing up look like? Will it look like our grandparents? Will it look like our parents? Um, in what way can it truly be authentic? In what way can it be us and represent our relationship with God? Uh, today we're going to look at a very popular, very famous biblical character and his kind of maturity um, process. And I'll call it a process because maturity is not always progress. Uh, progress suggests that we're steadily getting better and better along the way. And that's not always the case. Like we might be getting older, uh, we might be getting bigger, um, maybe smaller. Uh, but certainly from childhood to adulthood we get bigger. But uh, just because we're getting older or just because we're getting bigger doesn't necessarily mean we're getting more mature. Uh, maturity is not really measured that way. And so sometimes it's uh, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, and that's certainly the case with Peter. And so uh, Peter is a, is a fabulous character from the Gospels. He's certainly uh, a leader, um, an accomplished um, follower of Jesus. So Peter, as an occupation, was a fisherman. But Jesus calls him to be a disciple. And as a disciple, he's uh, very close to Jesus. We kind of constantly see him, um, along with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, kind of with Jesus. So there's Jesus and there's the disciples. But then Jesus goes away and he takes with them Peter, James, and John. It's as though they're a little quartet that sometimes went away together. And uh, as we see uh, the Gospels depict Peter, he's often the spokesperson for the disciples. Jesus will speak to the disciples and Peter will answer. Um, Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. Well, who do you all say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so we get this kind of messianic confession, this confession that Jesus is the Messiah on the lips of Peter. When we come to the Gospel of John, it's interesting. I mean, Peter was very much kind of his own man, and he kind of liked to do things his own way. But some of the times, that doesn't really represent maturity. Like sometimes we think about maturing as ever-increasing levels of independence. Uh, so, for example, uh, when you're first born, you're an infant, and you um, are not uh, independent at all. I mean, there's, you can do nothing for yourself, right? You can't feed yourself. Uh, you can't really move around. Uh, you still are using the bathroom on yourself. I mean, things, things aren't good for you, right? I mean, as an infant, you are in need of care. But then you start to grow. And you can do things. Like one of the things you learn to do is walk. 
And then you, you learn not to go. Or someone teaches you. You don't just learn it by yourself. Someone teaches you not to go to the bathroom by yourself. Like things are getting better for you. Right? Life is improving. And then you start to learn to brush your own teeth. And then you can dress yourself. And then, you know, at a certain age, uh, five or six or something, you learn to tie your shoes. Um, that might be later nowadays because of Velcro. I think Velcro is really hurting us. It's, it's, it's delaying the age at which we learn to tie shoes. Um, so, yeah, so ever-increasing levels of independence. And so still, um, you know, the 13, 14-year-old starts to stay at home when mom goes off to the grocery store. Or the 16-year-old can learn to drive. The 18-year-old can vote. God help us, right? Um, and then at 21, and then at 25, right? And so ever-increasing levels of independence is how we think about maturity. But we all know that maturity kind of works in a different way. As the riddle of the Sphinx uh, tells us, uh, what animal walks on four legs, then two legs, then three legs? All right, the human being, right? So we walk first on four legs as we crawl, then on two legs because we can stand up straight, and then on three legs. So really, that's what maturity is about. The truly mature, those of us uh, who make it there, learn that uh, maturity can also mean increasing levels of dependence. And so our independence, our ableness, seems to be temporary. We don't start there, and if we live long enough, we will not end there. So that uh, maturity, in the long run starts to include ever-increasing levels of dependence. I think that's the case, not only physically, but I think that's the case spiritually. I think when we first come to faith, we're like utterly independent. We don't know. We, we need somebody for everything. And then we gain a certain level of independence, like, hmm, I can do it myself. I can read my Bible. I can say my prayers. But that's not true maturity. Because true maturity is becoming ever increasingly more dependent upon God. And that's what the truly mature know. So let's take a look at Peter. So Peter Peter's, uh, comes to faith. Jesus calls him. He follows. And, uh, and he's learning. He's been years into this, apparently. And he's, he's gained a certain level of independence. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. Well, you got that part right. And I'm going to have to, Jesus responds, I'm going to have to uh, die as part of my messianic role. And he's like, no, not a chance. I'll never let you die. Mm, not the right answer, apparently. In fact, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. A little rough, maybe. Uh, for this, this, is the, this is the obligation, this is the duty, this is the destiny of the Messiah. So I'm not sure Peter learned his lesson in that moment. If we fast forward, we can come to the foot washing scene. And so Jesus, Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. And he gets to Peter. And um, Peter says, you can't wash my feet. Um, I'm not sure if Peter realizes who's in charge here. Right? Ever increasing level of independence. It's like Peter's an adolescent. <laughs> you, know. you can't tell me what to do says the 16-year-old to their parent. Um, no, you can't wash my feet. To which Jesus says, well, I don't wash your feet. You can't be my disciple. So he's kind of laying down the law. 
But it's not as though Peter, like, um, gives in. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, here's my feet. Peter's still trying to kind of be in charge. He says, well, all right then. Then don't just wash my feet. Wash my head and my hands too. <laughs> I mean, Peter, Peter's still trying to do it his way. To which Jesus is like, the one who has bathed has no need to wash except for the feet. I'm in charge here, Pete. <laughs> Sit down, and I'm washing your feet. That didn't rhyme in Greek, Pete and feet. Works well in English. And so, so I wonder, I wonder a bit about, about Peter's maturity level at that point. I mean, again, it's a process, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, but he doesn't seem to be getting it in the moment. We then fast forward, and uh, we're at Gethsemane. And Jesus is telling them to pray. And he has the twelve, and then the four of them again, Jesus and Peter, James, and John, move on, on into the garden a little further. Then Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, you guys stay here and pray. I'm going to go pray by myself for a bit. And he comes back, and they're sleeping. He's like, can you not just stay up and pray? This is like big. He goes away and comes back to sleeping again. <laughs> and so then now here comes Judas, and he's got a bunch of people with him. He's got some Roman soldiers. He's got some Jewish uh, officials. And so here's Peter, and he pulls out his sword, and he cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. It's interesting, Peter does not cut off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers. Right? He's going to pick a fight. You've got to know who you're going to fight with, right? So he cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And, and you've got to think, what was Jesus thinking? Oi, Peter, son, no, put your sword away. Like picks up the guy's ear and has to heal him, stick it back on. So, and these two instances... Uh, we see Peter, and, and we see, I believe, him kind of struggling with his maturity. He's, he's not quite getting it. He thinks that, you know, he knows enough that he can be in charge, or he just tries to take charge, because you know poor Jesus can't take care of himself. Um, and so here's Peter coming to the rescue. I think sometimes uh, Christians do that. We feel like we need to defend God, or defend the church, or defend the Bible. Um, from what? I don't know. What, what does God need defense from? So here, here he is. And then is, if we follow Peter, uh, Peter ends up uh, standing by a campfire. And he's, he's followed Jesus after he's been arrested. And he's by the fire... And someone says, hey, you're, you're a Galilean. I guess they could just tell by looking at him. He's like, yeah. So you're with that Galilean they just arrested? No, 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 no. I don't know that guy. And then someone else says, hey, I recognize you. You're, you're one of the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. He said, no, 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 that's not me. You've got me confused with someone. And then a third time, uh, someone says, hey, you're... You're one of the followers of that rabbi. And he's like, I swear to God, you people. I am not one of that guy's disciples. 
And then the rooster crows. And he remembers a prophecy that Jesus had told them. That said, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. Now we might ask ourselves, uh, or we might say to ourselves, I would never deny Jesus. I would never verbally say, I don't know Jesus, or I don't believe in Jesus, or I don't think Jesus was resurrected, or I don't think he's the Christ. I would never say such a thing. But here's the thing. I imagine Peter thought that too. And what I think part of what growing up is, because we are such creatures of habit, is that what we do, our habits kind of shape who we are. And you see, I think Peter had already been denying Jesus uh, with his actions that eventually led to the point where he would deny knowing Jesus with his words. So like when he's trying to tell Jesus what to do, you can't wash my feet. Well, if you're going to wash me, wash me all over. Or, here Jesus, let me defend you with my sword. All of those actions are in a way a denial of Jesus. He's denying Jesus his rightful place in Peter's life. He's, he's denying Actually, with his actions, believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the King, who can actually take care of himself. And he's kind of coming to his rescue. And so he finds himself standing by a fire, saying three times, I don't know that guy. Jesus, of course, will get crucified uh, within a few hours. He gets um, he's arrested there, he's taken, he's tried by the, by the Jews, he's then taken from there and tried by the Romans, he's beaten. And by that time the next day, Jesus is dead. And what does Peter think? How does he feel about having kind of forsaken his friend, his master? What does he do? Well, he goes back fishing. That's what he did before Jesus called him. You see, when, when Jesus died, it's not as though the disciples are like, Whew, well, that was rough, but it's over. We've got the long weekend. What are you guys going to do? Well, I was thinking about hopping down to the Red Sea, taking a little bit, you know, beach time at, at Lot. No, when, when Jesus died, they thought he was dead. I mean, he was dead. But they thought he was like dead, dead. There doesn't seem to be anything in the story that they were anticipating a resurrection. And so uh, they scatter. Now what's interesting about this is, uh, of course, three days later, Jesus is resurrected. And he starts to appear to the disciples. And he's appeared to them in Jerusalem, where they still were. And yet... Um, even though uh, Peter's seen the empty tomb, even though he's then later seen the risen Jesus, it says they were in a room and the doors were shut and then Jesus was there. And Thomas wasn't with them. And then it happened, the same thing happened again when Thomas was with them. So Peter has now had these multiple post-resurrection experiences 
But when we get to the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, Peter is back on the Sea of Galilee fishing. Hmm. Interesting. What's he doing? I mean, for Peter to go fishing is not for somebody just to, to take a long weekend, right? So not just to take a break. I mean, Peter's like one of those guys from the deadliest catch. Yeah. He, he's a commercial uh, fisherman. And so he's back fishing because he was supposed to be a follower of Jesus. But he wasn't um, the best at it. I mean, he had said some great things. He had done some wonderful things. He had confessed that he was the Messiah. But then his maturity wavered. He found himself in action denying Jesus to the point that he verbally denied Jesus. So now Peter's fishing. And so they're all in the boat and they're fishing and they've been fit, they're fishing at night. It was the, it was the thing, thing, thing now too, I guess. And so... Um, Jesus comes to the shore and says, why don't you guys, how you guys doing? Good, good night fishing? It's in the morning. Like, nah, it's been a horrible night. So why don't you cast your net on the other side? Like, nah, this know-it-all. wonder who he is. We've been fishing all night. So they cast the net on the other side, and they pull in a load of fish. In fact, they pull in 153 fish. I love this. How in the world did that number stick around in the text? Like, how is it that we know how many fish they caught that night? I mean, they must have been really impressed with it. Like, I don't know what normal was, but that must have been a big haul. 153. And so, they're pulling their nets in, and the disciple whom Jesus loved looks and says, points to the shore and says... It's Jesus. And it says that Peter put on his clothes because he was naked and jumps in the water. Now, that's, that's an interesting verse in and of itself. <laughs> like, why did the guy not have his clothes on while they were fishing? Why do you put your clothes on before you jump in the water? I don't know. Just a lot of confusion. I mean, there was that one story when Peter's in the boat... And, and, and Jesus is walking on the water, and he, and he calls to him. He says, come to me. And he steps out, and he, and he walks in the water. Peter does, uh, temporarily, and then sinks. So maybe he thought it was going to be that. I don't know. So I want to try to psychoanalyze Peter on this point. Maybe he just didn't want to get to the shore and be naked in front of Jesus. That makes sense. But in any case, he's got his clothes back on, and he's swimming to shore. And there he is with Jesus. And what's interesting here is we find ourselves at another campfire. There's only two fires mentioned in the Gospel of John. One is in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest, where Peter denied three times that he knew Jesus. And the other was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, where apparently Jesus is cooking them breakfast. And so they're around the campfire, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? 
wonder what the these meant. More than these fish? Like, are you gonna are you gonna be my disciple or are you gonna be a fisherman? Do you love me more than these? Is it do you love me more than than you love the other disciples, your fellow fishermen? Because the, the whole crew was with them. Uh, uh, James and John and um, Nate, uh, Nathaniel, he was with them. Um, yeah, there's a whole group. What is Jesus asking, do you love me more than these? So I don't, I don't think Jesus is really interested in some kind of competitive loving contest. Like, do you love me more than James loves me? But he says, do you love me? <clears throat> and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, well, then feed my sheep. And says, he asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Well, then, then take care of the sheep. And he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And it says, Peter was grieved because he asked him three times if he loved him. And he says, yeah, I get it. But you know, you know that I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. I might say, just on a side note, um, uh, some of you perhaps have studied this passage of Scripture or, you, or you've seen other people uh, study it. Um, there are two different words for love being used, um, agape and phileo. Uh, and, and sometimes, I think partially due to C.S. Lewis's, the four loves, with all due respect to C.S. Lewis, uh, people think that because uh, um, Jesus initially used agape the first two times and then switched to phileo, that, that he's asking Peter for some kind of unconditional love, but then kind of settling in on friendship. Uh, I think that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, uh, in the Gospel of John, those two words get used as synonyms. Uh, Peter uses two different words for no. Uh, Jesus uses two different words for sheep. It's just that sometimes we do that. We, we use synonyms. Um, the, the point is not that Jesus is somehow kind of settling just for friendship. The point is this. The last time Peter stood next to a campfire, three times he denied that he knew Jesus. So Jesus invites him to stand back next to a campfire and have him say three times that he loves him. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, having said that, uh, Jesus has a final word for Peter. He says, when you were young, you kind of did what you wanted to do and went where you wanted to go, say what you wanted to say. But when you grow old, someone's going to tie a belt around you and take you where you do not want to go. And then there's, Jesus has a parenthetical statement, or the writer of the gospel has a parenthetical statement, and says that Jesus said this to prophesy how Peter would die. According to tradition, uh, uh, Peter died a horrible death, right? He was a martyr. Now, <clears throat> here's, here's the question I have. Often in the Gospel of John, um, we get stories that are basically dialogues between Jesus and someone else. And then they end with the moral of the story, like the lesson. And we, we all were cued in to what the lesson is going to be um, because, well, in the King James, it says, verily, verily. 
or in the more modern translations, it might say truly, truly, or, or even in the more modern translations, it might say, pay attention, this is, this is the main point. <laughs> and so we've, get, we've gotten this story about this, this dialogue by the campfire between, between Jesus and Peter. And um, here comes the verily, verily statement. And it's this statement about when you're young, you did what you wanted to do, but when you're old, it's going to go a different way. So here is the life of Peter. And here is his maturing process. Sometimes he did it his own way. Like, you can't wash my feet, or I got a sword, I can defend you. But in the end, he gets rehabilitated. In the end, he becomes the great apostle, the, the keynote speaker um, on the day of Pentecost, one of the first church planters in Rome. I think the lesson that we have to learn from Peter uh, is a few things. One is this. Your, your life doesn't have to be perfect either before or after your conversion. You see, we come to, to Jesus as we are. And having come to Jesus, it's not like we all of a sudden have become perfect. So, how many of you have been baptized? Just curious. How many of you, since your baptism, have sinned? Yeah. It's not as though... Once you come, come to Jesus, it's a nice, steady progress, and you're always getting better. Yeah, it's kind of ebbs and flows, right? But the idea behind it is, eventually we will mature. And we don't mature kind of just based on our own will or desire or effort. We, we mature um, because the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, works in our lives. Just like he was working in the life of Peter. I, I don't care what you think you've done uh, after your baptism. There is nothing that you could have done that will have disqualified you from a relationship with Jesus. Nothing. But, <clears throat> having said that, there is this expectation that, that you will participate in this life of faith. That, that you'll be, uh, you know, part of the relationship. So, it doesn't matter if you wear your hat down or back or, or backwards. But you but you got to be in the game. And so with Peter, I think we get this. And I think that that, um, that message of the story. When you were young, you did what you wanted to do, but when you're old, someone will tie a belt around you and take you where you don't want to go. In a way, represents maturity. True maturity. Maturity that we experience both physically as we are independent and, or excuse me, dependent and then independent and then dependent again. But the dependence that comes towards the end is not just a return to the, to the earlier. It's the developed later form. And even more so, even more so spiritually. That to mature spiritually 
is to is to learn, is to grow, is to know, is for it to be revealed to you that it's not about you. It's about God. And God is doing things in and through you. And the more dependent you are upon God consistently, the more spiritually mature you are. And so like Peter, our prayer today will be that God too will mature us. He will um, develop us into the, the particular people that we're meant to be.